Mina Ibrahim, I am so excited to be chatting with you today. You are the founder of Shubra's Archive, an incredible way of telling stories from people in Egypt. You are an anthropologist, an archivist, and you recently got your PhD in cultural studies. Welcome to Five Drive. Yeah, thanks a lot, baby, for having me. Welcome to you. Thanks a lot. Man, I'm so excited about our interview because when I hear about people who, you know, tell stories and the history of our people, it's always like these old, old people and you are so young doing such incredible work. Please, can you tell us more about what got you so interested in culture and anthropology? Yeah, what got me in culture and anthropology actually is uh, that I was I, w- I was grown up in, in Cairo where I also found the Chopra's archive. So this is where, um, so I really wanted to take the stories that I have been, I was part of and also have been seeing and hearing uh, when I was young to another level, to also my studies. So I wanted to combine my own life uh, and my own childhood and teenage years with also my uh, academic studies. And that's why I found that anthropology and cultural studies uh, as disciplines, they are very relevant to this idea. I love that. And I've read that a lot of researchers are interested in Shubra because, you know, um, Shubra is a very important part of Egypt in the way that it connects the entire country. So from pe- for people across the continent who are like, hold on, this place sounds incredible. Please, can you tell us more about Shubra and what makes it such an important part of Egypt? Yeah, so Shubra is a, a district in North Cairo. Uh, that actually it was before the 19th century, it was not part of urban Cairo, so it was outside of urban Cairo. But starting with the 19th century, uh, when uh, Egypt's ruler at that time, uh, called Muhammad Ali, he built his palace, actually five kilometers away from what is known now as Shubra. Uh, Actually, other uh, princes from his family started to build their own palaces and later on, other people from different social and economic classes started to uh, uh, live there. And later on, uh, by the beginning of the 20th century, tram lines were installed in the district and connected Shubra to the, uh, what's called now as downtown Cairo. So actually, by then, Shubra became part of uh, urban Cairo. And if you we, if we want really to have an idea about the modern history of urban Cairo, I think Shobra is a great place to study that. Oh, wow, that is so amazing. And here you are, the founder of Shubra's Archive. Please, can you tell us more about it? And, you know, the fact that this is the first grassroots way of telling and archiving the history of Shubra. Please tell us more about that. So the idea, the idea came to me uh, in uh, 2019 and then I started officially in 2021. The idea that I did part of my field work for my doctoral studies in Shubra and I wrote actually a couple of articles for journals in, uh, you know, in Europe uh, about Shubra but then I discovered that these articles are written first all in English which is of course not the language of my country mm. plus also they are written in a very, if you want, academic style that maybe cannot be related to the people about whom I'm writing. So I really wanted to do a project that can translate what I'm doing on, uh, uh, if you want, a professional academic level 
to the people I'm working with. And that's why this the idea came from here to kind of circulate and also to share the knowledge I'm producing about that uh, neighborhood with the people who are living in the neighborhood themselves. And now the people in the neighborhood, um, you know, it's not the first time that they see somebody documenting the history of Shubra. So when you came and you said, okay, I'm starting Shubra's archive and you guys get to be a part of it. What was their reaction? Were they skeptical at first? Did they trust you immediately? Like, to be honest, until now, I'm trying to find, uh, if you want, innovative ways to approach the people with the idea. You know, it's not easy. Not because the idea is, uh, not only because the idea is new to them, but also because um, that, that's also part of the, or the drawbacks of academia, you know, and academic research, actually. It is usually, it is in a very simple ways to the people. So people are not used to the academic books, to the academic journals, to the academic conferences. You know, okay, I understand that uh, there is a speciality, you know, in uh, theory, in uh, methodologies, in whatever. But really the challenge here is to try to, uh, we, we, as social scientists, right, we are working with the people. So that's the dilemma that we are working with the people on one hand, but at the same time we are usually excluding these people mm. when we are debating our, the knowledge we are producing about them. So it's not only the problem of the people, you know, that they don't understand our work. No, it's more actually the problem of academia itself, you know, in uh, presenting, on, in representing itself in a more, not easier way, but in a more accessible way that can be relevant to uh, how the people understand their everyday lives. I love what you're saying. And I must be honest, my favorite part of Shubra's archive is the fact that it's people telling the history of Shubra. Because so often when we get toward history, it's from the perspective of politicians, what, you know, uh, politicians did when they were younger. We hardly get to hear about what the regular person was doing. So what do you think the significance is um, in telling history from the regular person uh, person's perspective? Like two things. First of all, um, people, when they, when they start to uh, share their own stories, so they, through Shobra's archive, that's the idea, so they would then have the chance not only to tell their stories, but later when researchers and other you know, young scholars come and uh, research their stories, they would have then the chance to debate their analysis about them. So they don't only produce their knowledge, you know, at the first phase of telling their stories to the researchers or the historians. But Shubra's archive uh, promised them that later on, when we write about their stories, when we produce a podcast, when we, when we produce, for example, a, a graphic story or a comics, you know, story about their, their, uh, their uh, narratives and their everyday lives, they would have the chance to debate, actually, to say, okay, we, no, we, we, we didn't mean this, we, we meant that, you know, and, and then, so this circle would continue, you know, and that's the idea of Shobra's archive, is really to, to be able to uh, be close from people's lives, not only that we are placed in Shobra, but also to allow the people to always have a, a feedback on our own analysis of their stories. That's the first thing. The second thing, actually, that also Shubra's archive really make, uh, we, we always uh, push for the idea of having what's called open museum, mm. so that people, uh, we usually convince them that they all already do this, you know, through their social media uh, platforms, that they 
put their own pictures, their own stories on their social media platforms. So we ask them that why cannot we do this, you know, in a shared space in Shubra, in the office, in our office, to do a small exhibition from time to another, so that they also can also um, uh, connect their own stories, their own family archives and personal archives to other people, family archives and personal archives. So the idea actually is to build a story uh, or a narrative about the neighborhood through connecting people's stories personal and, and personal archives together. That is so incredible. Look, I must say, when I was reading up about Shubra, my favorite story was of the lady who came to you um, and was showing you the her general ledgers and uh, accounting books from when her father owned a grocery store in the 70s. And she had all these prices from all those years ago. And I was like, oh, my word, I can't imagine that. Do you have a favorite story so far from what you have in the archives? Yeah, of course, like uh, we recently got um, uh, like, okay, so Shobra now, of course, or unfortunately, you can say that there are a lot of buildings that are being sold and then the people who buy them, they demolish them to build, you know, uh, taller buildings, you know, as it's usually the case uh, everywhere you know, in the world. So, when, but whenever there is a, a space like this, people actually call us, you know, and then people started to know us, you know, about that they want to tell us if you want to come to check if there are archives or there are old things that you want to have, please like take them. So uh, we recently went to uh, a place that used to be a charitable association actually, that was founded in 1951. Hmm. And uh, the people, we just told them that we want to go inside and see if there are any things. And then the people told, told us, you will find nothing. But then we, we really went inside we find boxes full of pictures from the 50s and 60s, you know, of parties and, uh, yeah, like, uh, parties and uh, kind of, uh, if you want, uh, uh, parties organized by the, like, the donors of the of this association to the recipients of the donations. Uh, it's actually a religious one, you know, so we'll find also a priest there. So, it, and then we started actually to... Uh, uh, call uh, people who might have or, or might know people on from these pictures, right? So we started, we wanted to build a story about this association from the pictures and also to call maybe their sons or daughters or grandsons who might be living now, right? Uh, and then to start to know, okay, this is my grandfather, this is my father, and then to start to really put the people or to rebuild the story for, for the association through these pictures. That's just got me so excited. Now I have to have to come to Shubra and see this. And for young people who are listening to you right now and going, oh my goodness, I want to do something like this in my country and tell stories the way Mina has. What advice do you have for them? I think that the, I, yeah, if I can say any advice or any recommendation, the only thing is really to uh, trust the, the people and trust really that they would like to uh, share their stories with you. So, I mean, if people really trust the researchers and the scholars who want to research their work, they would really tell them everything they want. Uh, the problem just is, is really that usually it's, it's sharing stories or sharing personal archives or personal pictures or whatever. Uh, people sometimes they don't, you know, uh, really they feel afraid to be for the exposure but really, the idea is to uh, be close from the people, you know, be close to the people and their stories. Try really to always convince them 
and that of the importance of their stories, that they are stories are very important to tell the story not only of the neighborhood but of their country in general. And also what's more, more important to convince them that uh, telling their stories might be very helpful, you know, for building uh, 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 this kind of open museum, you know, so that uh, their, maybe their coming generations might learn about their stories and might learn about the stories of their neighborhoods and even their cities, you know, from their very mundane everyday lives. Mina Ibrahim, the work you have done is so incredible. I can't wait to see Shubra's archive grow. My goodness, all the way from Egypt, telling beautiful stories of the people in Shubra. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today on the Africa Update. Yeah, thank you, baby, so much for having me and uh, looking forward to seeing you in Shubra. Catch up from some of the best moments from the 5 Drive team by going to 5FM's Catch Up page on the 5FM app or 5FM.co.za.